How many of you glad to be a part of a great church? Amen. I'm thankful for the opportunity to speak tonight. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with James chapter number 1. And uh, we'll read a few verses there. And uh, I'm excited to, uh, to speak tonight. I felt like immediately when I got ready to study, the Lord gave me something to talk about. And I love it when it's like that. Because there's a lot of times where you beg God and you plead with God. And you just don't know what to say. And you pray. And um, this wasn't one of those times. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Um, James chapter 1, I'm going to read uh, in verse number 2, and I'm reading in the New Living Translation. It says this, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any time come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. When trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I'm reading in the New Living Translation why it sounds a little different than what you see. Uh, verse 3 says, For you know that when your faith is tested, that your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I love this passage of Scripture because James sounds crazy. He says, When problems come, when troubles come, when issues rise up in your life, consider it an opportunity for great Joy. How many of you uh, get four flats at the same time? And you're like, "Ooh, thank you, Jesus." <laughs> There's all kind of. There are people like that. Uh, that's why I asked because I, I've been around some sweet church ladies. I mean, they just they just broke their leg and are are being carted off to the hospital. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't break both of my legs. <laughs> they find joy somehow when the trouble comes. So tonight, I want to talk to you. On the topic of pressure points. Anybody know what a pressure point is? I'll talk about that a little bit tonight. But I want to talk to you about pressure points. Can we bow our heads and pray? Lord, we thank you, God, for putting us here tonight. God, for putting us in your plan. For your hand being upon us. Lord, I pray you would speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds, our spirits, God. I pray, Lord, that you would let us walk out of here with a new understanding. And a refreshed and renewed mind and spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And we give you glory. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise before we sit down? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. God bless you. Uh, I remember the first time that I found out about pressure points. Anybody remember when you learned about pressure points when you were a kid? Uh, let me tell you the story. I was eight or nine years old. And I was at church. And my best friend came running down the side aisle of the church. I can still see it in Castle Hills United Pentecostal Church. And Mark came running down the side aisle to where we sat. And uh, he ran up to me and he said, let me see your hand. I said, what? He said, let me see your hand. And so I, I put out my hand. And he promptly squeezed right here between my thumb and my index finger. Anybody ever had anybody do that to you? As hard as he humanly could, he laid into that pressure point on my hand. And I yanked my hand back and said, what are you doing? All of the fear and anxiety, uh, all of, all of the, every negative emotion. I mean, I was hurt. I was mad, confused, betrayed, sad, vengeful. It all brought it all out at the same time. I didn't know what to think. What are you doing to me here, man? What kind of voodoo is this? And uh, he told me he had been spending some time 
with his cousin who was a teenager who was a black belt in martial arts. And he, he had shown him how to inflict maximum pain on all of his friends. And, and you just, all you got to do is find a pressure point. And so my childhood changed from that point forward because uh, my purpose was now to sneak up on people and find a way to get to their pressure points. We would walk up behind people and push up on their jaw right there, reach in their arm and grab them, good to see you, and hit their pressure points. People, oh! And then we would just die laughing and run off because we found out quickly that pressure points could make a much bigger person hurt, right? And so we would get in pressure point fights. I mean, we would, we would wrestle and we'd be poking on each other, crying, running to our mamas. But, but it changed my childhood because we found out that pressure points can bring the hurt, right? Any ladies ever been to a self-defense class? They probably teach you a few pressure points while you're there. That if they grab you, get, get a hold of their wrist and there's a spot in the middle of your wrist. I'm not going to tell y'all because I don't want y'all to use them against me. But um, pressure points, they're, they're an amazing thing. They are specific, sensitive areas on the surface of the body. And you can exploit a pressure point for many uses. Martial artists can quickly disable an attacker by using a simple but forced push on a pressure point. On the other hand, the stimulation of pressure points can also help to be therapeutic and relieve pain and bring healing. And so tonight I want to talk to you about the pressure points in your life. Because we all have spiritual pressure points. Can I get an amen? We all have areas where we feel the pressure that are sensitive, that are raw, vulnerable, weak areas that we need work in in our lives. Areas where we feel the pressure of life weighing down on us. And, and there are many spiritual pressure points. Areas where the enemy can quickly disable us and dismantle us if he hits it just right. And your pressure points may not be my pressure points. And my pressure points may not be yours. But we all have areas of vulnerability to the enemy that he knows if he can hit us just at the right spot, just at the right time, that he can bring our faith to its knees. What an incredible revelation that the same area in our lives that can bring us immense pain when in the right hands has the potential to bring us great healing. It's a pressure point in our life. In the hands of God, it can be a source of healing and a source of building and a source of growth, a source uh, uh, of restoration. But in the hands of the enemy, it can be our demise. And so I'm here to tell you that spiritual warfare takes place in those areas in our life. For you, it may be your finances. For you... It may be addiction for you. It may be relationships. It may be all sorts of different things. But we all have these areas that we are naturally weak in, naturally exposed in. Maybe it's from the way that we were raised or from our background. Maybe it's from our personality. But we all have these areas. And there's great potential for harm, but there's also great potential for healing. There's great potential for disaster, but there is also great potential for destiny in the same place in our life. And in the book of James, the apostle begins to deal with the issue of pain and trouble. His statement stands alone 
and stands in stark contrast to common thinking. Because when trouble comes, we don't think, oh, yippee, yay, problems are here. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. There's a, those few people that have arrived at that place. But most of us say, what are you doing, God? What is going on here? Anybody ever ask that of God? Like, hold up, hold up, hold up. God, I'm living for you. I'm trusting in you. Why am I hurting? Why do I feel the pressure on this area of my life? God, why can't I get over this? Why can't I overcome this? Why can't I get past this? And most of us don't celebrate when it comes. But listen to James. James 1-2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. James says you've got to start looking at your problems in a different light. You've got to start looking at your problems as your possibilities. You've got to start understanding that the areas that are being attacked in your life are also the areas that God wants to bless in your life. And so James says, don't count it all trouble. Count it all joy when trials come to you and when troubles come to you because there is an opportunity that you're not seeing there. Consider it an opportunity for joy. Thank you, Jesus. You know that. How many of you know that person? Thank you, Jesus. Just every time something goes wrong. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. That's somebody who's... We, we, they sound crazy, don't they? But it's somebody who's figured out that in every circumstance and in every problem, there is possibility. There is opportunity. And so, notice what James says. He says, when trouble comes your way. Not if. He doesn't say maybe someday down the road you might run into a little bit of trouble living for Jesus. You might have an area that you're struggling. You might have a weakness that you're dealing with. You might have some area in your life where you're feeling immense pressure. Anybody ever been under pressure? Under pressure because your family's tearing apart and you're trying to hold it together. Anybody ever been there? Pressure because you've got more bills than dollar bills, right? Pressure. Don't know how I'm going to do it, God. Don't know how I'm going to make this work. Uh, we, we, we're undergoing a financial makeover because I started looking at our future and I said, Oh, dear heaven, what are we going to do? We've got to change something now. I, I was talking with somebody this week that was in our finance class in the last life class semester and they said, I'm doing things differently because something's got to change. We all feel those moments of stress and strain and pressure that we don't know what we're going to do. We don't know how we're going to handle it. And those times will come. Am I right, Pastor? I mean, I look at our pastor and he's been through some stuff. And that's why he has some wisdom. Because he earned it. And you don't get it without earning it, right? You've got to go through some stuff. You've got to go through some trials. So James says, whenever trouble comes to you, you've got to count it as an opportunity for joy. Not for trouble, not for complaining. He says, when trouble comes, that means it will come. It is inevitable. It might not come this week, but it may come next week. And it may not come next week, but it may come the week after that. But you can count on the fact that you're going to go through some stuff that you don't understand and that will expose your greatest weaknesses. It's one of those promises of God we don't want to accept. But God promises us when you have trouble, when it comes your way. Trouble, pressure, and pain are inevitable. 
And there isn't a question of if you will experience turbulence and pressure in your walk with God. It is a question of when. When will it happen? And James begins to pull back the curtain on why we will face the troubles. He says, consider an opportunity for joy. Verse 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. When your faith is tested, your endurance or your patience has a chance to grow. How many of you ever heard, don't pray for patience? I didn't obey. (laughs) I prayed at one time in my life very often, Lord, give me patience. And the Lord gave it to me in heaps and doses. And I hated every minute of it. (laughs) He's still giving it to me. Amen. That's one of those one-time prayers. You want to pray effective prayers? Pray for patience. Because God will spend the rest of your life trying to teach it to you. He says, you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. James says to us that our problem areas or our pressured areas give us an opportunity to grow, to overcome, to become better than we were when the trouble came. And so he says, trouble will come to you, but don't misunderstand why trouble comes to you. Because trouble comes to you so that you can grow. How many of you ever prayed in the altar and said, oh, God, use me. I want to be used for your kingdom. God, I want to be something great for you. I want my life to matter. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? You just asked for trouble. (laughs) You were asking for it. And you didn't even know it because James says your opportunity to grow comes when trouble comes. God doesn't send you some kind of uh, gift-wrapped package of gifting and of wisdom. You pray for wisdom and He gives you an opportunity to learn to be wise. You pray for financial blessing, He gives you an opportunity to learn financial stewardship. You pray for uh, a great prayer life, God will give you something to pray about. Because when trouble comes, when issues come, James says it gives you a chance for your endurance to grow. Now, get what, now I, I want you to understand very clearly. It's very simple. I'm not preaching anything revelatory tonight. It's very simple. James is saying sometimes stuff will come to you and you're going to bail out of it. Your endurance isn't big enough yet. So you have maybe three or four problems to go before you're aware to, to the point where you're going to overcome some things. Anybody ever experienced that? You come to the same problem over and over again? Feel like you went through it and got away from it, ran away from it, and you come back to it again. He says, this is an opportunity for your endurance to grow. Our pressured areas are opportunities. And so we all have pressure points in our lives. There are areas where God has introduced pressure and difficulty. There are areas in our life and heart that present the greatest threat to disable our faith. And God is in the middle of it. And God is instructing it. And God is orchestrating it. And we're down here praying, God, why are you against me? And God is saying, what are you talking about? Look at this opportunity to grow. That's what you wanted. You prayed, lead me and I will follow. I'm leading you. you got to follow. Anybody ever ask yourself, why trouble? Why so much trouble? I know some of you have been through some stuff here. And it's just stacked up one against the other. And, and as soon as one trial's over, another one comes. And we, we can get to this point where we think God 
is not for me. There's something wrong. Read Job's account in Scripture. When all of the tragedy and trial befell Job, his friends came along and said, something is wrong. That's because they had a misconception of how God uses and ordains His people for greater things. Job was destined to have devil, but before he had devil, he had to have his trouble. Job was destined for God to bless him immensely, but before he ever got there, he went through stuff that nobody would sign up for. Nobody would want to go through. Nobody would say, yeah, Lord, I'll take it. And so... We misunderstand what God is doing when He leads us into trouble. And so James is, is pulling back the curtain because we all have pressure points. The areas that we find ourselves struggling against, they are under, uh, they are, um, the, the, the points where we are under the gun, where we are feeling the pressure to get it right before it messes up everything else in our life. This is the thing that can unravel it all. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your walk with God. Maybe it's a sin that you struggle with. Maybe it's that you can't handle money. Maybe it's that you can't rid yourself of addiction. Maybe it's that you just don't have faith to receive what God has for you. But there are pressure points that God will continually walk you into as an opportunity to grow. Pressure points can look like a lot of things. Financial struggle. Relationship dysfunction, they can look like family friction, they can look like misguided priorities, they can look like disappointment, they can look like fear, they can look like skepticism towards the things of God, things that get to you when nothing else can get to you, that weak area of your life. And as I'm speaking, some of you are already identifying, okay, I know what he's talking about. I know what my pressure point is. I know the area that God is placing pressure on in my life. And so I'm asking you tonight, where, where do you feel the pressure in your life? Where is it that you feel the most pressure in your life? Is it bills piling up? Because perhaps God wants to teach you stewardship. Is it relationship dysfunction? Because that may mean that God is wanting to heal your ability to love and to trust. Because revelation can come through pain. The places that you feel the most pressure in your life are often where the hand of the Master is attempting to shape you. Attempting to mold you into what He's called you to be. And so your outcome is determined to, by your response to the pressure that you feel. You know, there's a lot of people that when you pressure them, they run from pressure. Anybody ever went to see a high-pressure car salesman? I don't like them. I don't like them either. Because they make you want to run out of the parking lot. I wanted a car. I didn't want a hassle. <laughs> right? I wanted a car. I didn't want one right now or five minutes ago. I wanted a car, not a 20% interest rate. <laughs> I wanted a car. I didn't want to come here and feel like I had to make a decision right now. And what happens sometimes when we're pressured is, is we want to escape the pressure, don't we? Job, uh, the boss starts pressuring you on the job. And you think, man, maybe it's time to change jobs. Things start pressuring you in your marriage. And you get pulled to your limits. You start thinking, I don't know if we have a future. Because our initial reaction a lot of times to pressure is to move away. Just like when my buddy squeezed my pressure point. I yanked back and said, what are you doing? 
Who do you think you are, bud? <laughs> right? We don't want to be hurt. We don't want to be challenged. We don't want to be pressed against. And so, um, in a culture that is constantly talking about a loving Savior, we need the revelation that God uses pain for our progress. If you want a painless experience, there are a lot of churches that you can go to and pat you on the back and they'll tell you Jesus loves you. And, and they're right. Jesus loves you. But He loves you too much to leave you like you are. He loves you too much to leave you where you're at. He loves you too much that your life would be the same as it was before you met Him. And if it is, if He loves you that much, what is He even saving you from? And so, pain is a part of the process. It's a painful process. I remember when my brother was going through all the surgeries on his legs and he had to go to the doctor and they needed to lengthen one of his legs. Well, the only way that you can lengthen a leg is, is you don't take a pill and your legs grow. Because if so, I would be at least six foot two or three. <laughs> That's not the way it works. There's a reason that people aren't opting in to height the surgery. There's all kind of plastic and cosmetic surgery, but you don't see anybody saying, I'm going in for surgery to get taller. You want to know why? But because in order for them to lengthen his leg and make them the same length, they had to take the doctor in his hands, had to take my brother's leg and break it. And he was biting on a towel, gritting through the pain. And then, and then, it's called a, uh, I believe I'm saying it right, a Lizaroff device. They put pins through his legs, about seven or eight pins at different angles with a contraption around them. And whenever it came time to lengthen uh, or, or, or spread those pins out, what they would do is they would twist on those pins to his excruciating pain and it would pull the bones apart where it had been broken before and the bone would heal back again. And then when it had healed back again sufficiently after uh, a few weeks or, or months, they would come back and they would pull the screws apart again. More pain, more excruciating suffering, also that he could walk normal, and also that he can move through life normally. And so sometimes, just even to get back to normal, God has to take you. Just to get back to balanced, God has to take you through some pain and through some struggle. And He has to find some areas of your life that He needs to break and that He needs to put you up against the hardest pressure that you've ever felt in order that He might bring you into progress. And it's the love of God that does it. God doesn't hate you. He's building on you. God hasn't abandoned you. He's building you up. He's, he's edifying you. We love edifying. Oh, I need to be edified. Better be careful what you ask for. Because God doesn't edify like you think He should edify sometimes. He's building you up, right? And so, James, listen to his words in verse 3. He says this. He says well, going back to verse 2, he says, um, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Verse 4, So let it grow. So let it grow. James is pointing out that we are often resistant to the process. I'm going to raise my hand on that one. Amen? Anybody with me? Well, I don't like that, Jesus. I thought you were going to anoint me and just help me to say good things. I didn't realize you were going to break my life all apart and make me deal with and struggle with things. James understood that we are often resistant to the process. 
James says, rather than resist the pressure, rather than run from the pressure, rather than looking for the first door out, we should buckle in and let endurance grow. Do you know what that means? He's saying, stay in the trouble. Stay in the fight. Stay in the struggle. Because in the will of God, there will always be an exit ramp. You can always run. We see it in ministry sometimes. When you really start pastoring somebody and start leading somebody and telling them what they really need, they don't want all that. They just want to come feel good. They want God to fix everything. They don't want to be broken. They don't want, they don't want to change. That, that hurts. There's, that's, you, you mean God cares about my money and he wants, he wants me to give to His church? Every week, every month. Ooh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can handle that. And people will opt out of what God is doing because they don't like the feeling of the process. They don't like how it feels when God begins to put pressure on that area in their life. And you want to know why God will challenge you if you're here and you struggle to give. I didn't come here to preach about giving, but you want to know why you'll constantly feel convicted? Is God is going to continually put pressure on that because your finances reveal your heart. And as long as your heart's not right, God loves you and He wants you to be saved and He wants you to be right, so He's not going to let it go. He's going to keep bringing you back to the same pressure that you feel and the same problem. And as long as you're opting out, you're not growing. As long as you're running from the issue, you're not growing. You're not progressing. God can't do what He wants to do for you because you won't stay put. You keep getting up off the table and running out of the doctor's office. Anybody ever done that when they bring out the needles? Like, whoop, I'm out. <laughs> See ya. And James says, I mean, it's just such a simple line. He says, so let it grow. All you trying to bail out on the problems and begging God to make it stop, let it grow. You didn't come here looking for that tonight, did you? He says, stay in it. God's doing something through it. When you have trouble, consider it a great opportunity for joy. Because when your faith is tested, your endurance grows. So let it grow. Take it uh, inside. Just keep on moving forward in the will of God. Let it grow. I'm here to tell you that resistance is futile. Amen? Resistance is futile. We run from God and we run from these areas of pressure, but we always seem to come right back to it, don't we? Look at, look at Jeremiah 18. I'm reminded of that scene in Scripture. God says to Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. He says, there I'm going to show you a potter working a work on the wheel. And so Jeremiah goes, and when he gets there, he sees the potter working at the wheel. And his hands are on the clay that is spinning on the wheel. If you don't know anything about pottery, I'm going to educate you on a very basic level right here. Because the way that the potter forms the clay is that he gets his hands in the clay and he pushes on it. And he prods on it. He puts it on the wheel and he applies external and internal pressure on the clay so that he can mold it and shape it into the form that it needs to be. It takes all kind of pressure to bring a pot out of the clay. And so God is letting Jeremiah see as, as this potter is working on the wheel, his hands are in the clay, shaping and forming so that when the process is finished, it will be useful for a purpose. 
Another part of Scripture says that the master potter, he makes some vessels to honor and some to dishonor, right? In other words, that, that, that potter has a vision and purpose in mind for the clay, but it takes pressure in order for it to get there and to become that. And so, he uses pressure to shape the clay. Without pressure, there is no progress. He must keep pressure on the vessel at all times so that it can take the intended form. At this point, the potter has pounded the clay. That's the first thing he does. If you study how they do it, they pound the clay and they beat the tar out of the clay. They beat all the hard spots out of the clay. It, it, they work the clay till it's moldable. And, and, and they, they pound on it. And then later they come back and they, they put pressure and place it on the wheel so that um, he can apply pressure across more of the clay in a shorter period of time. So as the process goes, there's pounding, there's pressing, there's kneading. And then he puts it on the wheel so that he can put more focused pressure across the entire pot to form it. So the process intensifies as it goes. It intensifies to where here you have this hunk of clay spinning around at high speeds and the only thing holding it in place is the hands of the potter pressing on it. And so God will place you into highly pressurized situations not to destroy you but to bring the best out of you. Not to destroy you, but to give your life shape and structure through which He can bless and He can use and He can benefit His kingdom and those around you. God will put you in a highly pressurized situations and systems. God, why, why is this my family? Why does my family have to be this way? Somebody's prayed that prayer. Why, why is my... Why, Lord, Why? Why do we have these problems? Why am I the one that has to face that? Anybody ever whined at God and asked that question? Why me, Lord? I've asked him that a few times. Like, There's a whole lot of other people out there deserving a whole lot more than me, God. <laughs> I can tell you. That's because we view pressure as punishment, but God views it as progress. And so God loves you and He values you. And so He puts you into these highly pressurized situations. Not to destroy you, but to bring... The best from you. And that's why James says, let endurance grow. Let it grow. Let it have its course. Stay on the wheel. Stay in the master's hand. Because your response determines your outcome. Listen, listen to what uh, Jeremiah says happened. Jeremiah says, so I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. So Jeremiah is there to see it when it all goes wrong. He's there to see the disaster. You have the master potter. The problem isn't the potter. The Bible says the clay was spoiled in his hand. In other words, uh, I'm guessing what happened here is that the clay couldn't stand up to the process the potter was putting it through. The clay caved in under his hand that, that he pressed. And as he pressed, the clay couldn't take it. So the clay folded in and ruined the design that was taking place. And so... The Bible says the clay was spoiled in the potter's hand and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. So note what happens when the clay responds badly to the process. The clay doesn't escape the pain. I hate to tell you. This is what the mercy of God looks like. If he doesn't give up on the clay, he doesn't throw the clay out. 
Jeremiah is watching him as everything goes wrong. Everything the potter was trying to do caves in because the clay couldn't take the pressure. And so he takes the clay and he pounds it again. And he rolls it out again and he kneads it again and gets it back on the wheel. And the pain and the pressure starts all over again. Because the clay opted out. The clay said, I can't take this. The clay said, I don't want to to feel this way. I just want to go to church and feel good and go home. I'm here to tell you that you can't become what God wants you to become if you're always trying to avoid the pain and the pressure of the situations that you face. You just can't get there. You'll just always be a lump. (laughs) Amen. You just always be something that has great potential that never met it, right? Because you didn't have the inner strength and inner structure to take the pressure. And so if you want to be something for God, you've got to handle some pressure in your life. You've got to handle some things in your life. And you've got to stand up to the process that God puts you in. Because when God wants to do something from you, He doesn't, uh, for you and in you, He doesn't drop you in the middle of the promised land and be like, enjoy guys. Look what I did for you. There's people out there that preach this completed work. Jesus did everything ever, and so now I just get to enjoy the benefits of it. Like, hello, read the New Testament. James said that He's going to put you in trouble. He's going to put you in these situations as an opportunity for you to grow personally. Not because God needs it, but because you need it. And He's going to bring you through the process. So God doesn't drop you in the middle of the promised land. He brings you out of Egypt and sends you into the wilderness. He brings you out of Egypt and sends you to Meribah where bitter waters are. And you've got to learn to stand up to the pressure of the process if you're ever going to be anything for God. And you don't want to just be a lump. Now, there are a lot of people that are like, I'll I'll lump it up, Jesus. I'll just come every Sunday and I'll feel good. I'll be lumpy. But you'll never fulfill your calling and you'll really, really never last with God if you can't handle the pressure. And so, the, the clay doesn't get out of it. I, I see the clay is trying to escape. Don't like all that pressure. Caves in. And in love, the Bible says the potter takes the clay again because he still sees the potential. He still sees the value. He still cares about the outcome. And he takes it and he puts it back on the wheel. And he puts it in the pressure process again. And so, um, the same process that it responded badly to the last time is the same process that He puts it in. And so when you fail the test that God has placed in front of you, guess what? God will bring you back around to the same circumstances again and again and again until the pressure shapes you and makes you and doesn't crush you. Anybody ever experienced that? You failed. You couldn't control your tongue. You prayed, oh God, forgive me. Help, help me to control my tongue. You know what God does? He drops you right in the middle of a circumstance where you're going to be highly susceptible to go through the same thing again. What are you going to do this time, Brother Daryl? <laughs> How are you going to react this time? Because there's a highly, you, you said you wanted freedom. And so there will be another opportunity to pass or fail the test. And so God will continually drop you back in. I love the, the visual of the wheel. He just keeps bringing you right back around to the same pressure. 
right back around to the same hand of God, not letting you fall off the wheel, but dealing with the same struggle and the same issue. And there are people that pray, God, why can't I overcome? Why can't I? Because you just haven't responded to the process and you haven't endured long enough. You haven't held out long enough to see what God's going to do in you. You started your prayer. You said, uh, we have trouble, so I'm going to start praying every day. And you prayed and things were going good. And as soon as they got a little better, you quit praying. And so God will put you right back in the middle of what you were in before that you thought you got out of until you endure long enough to withstand the process. So when you cave into the pressure on your life, God doesn't give up. He starts over. So running from the pain and the pressure is the surest way to find it again in the future. I hope I'm helping somebody here. Because if you've been running from something, stop running for your own sake. If you don't like the pain, then what you need to do is endure. Not quit. Endure. Because if you endure, the Bible says endurance and let patience have her perfect work. In other words, if you can endure this, God will bring you through so that you're never bound by it again. So that you never struggle with it again. And you can gain deliverance if you can find faith to endure. I felt like that was good. I appreciate y'all recognizing that. <laughs> because we've all run, haven't we? And we've all struggled. And we've all blamed God. And God is saying, I'm trying to answer your prayers. I'm trying to bring you through. I'm trying to give you a ministry. I'm trying to give you power. But you keep quitting on the process. So just stay on the wheel this time. Don't cave to the pressure. Don't quit. Don't run from God. Don't get bitter. Don't get angry. Don't return to gossip and lie and sex and drugs. Don't run to all that stuff. Stay. Just stay. Let patience have her perfect work. It's better for you because you won't have to do this again if you can just endure. You won't have to go through this again if you'll just endure. Your marriage, I, I counseled a couple, my friend, no, being introduced to pastoring is, is no picnic. I was a pastor for a week and this couple called me and they said, will you sit down with us? We need a counsel. Marriage counseling. They were 50 something years old and I was 24. I've been married like a year and a half. I sat down with him and I said, oh Lord, what do, I, what do we do here? I don't have any idea how to be married. And in one year's time, they had filed for divorce three times. And the year before, I think two times. They've been married two years. And they, what they would do is when it would get bad and they filed for divorce, they would come to some rescue counseling session and sit down, well, we, we know God doesn't want us to be divorced. And they would cry tears and they'd get back together. But they never endured the whole process of getting it right. And so they would find themselves right back at divorce's door, knocking on it, saying, hello. And I, I hate to tell you, they ended up divorcing because they could never follow through. They went and saw counselors. Counselors would tell them what to do. I tried to pastor them. I, the reason they went to counselors is because I couldn't help them. I said, y'all go find a counselor, you know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But they wouldn't listen to what anybody had to say. They were right about everything, and they wouldn't stay in the process that was laid out. I believe divine answers were given to them. Divine answers. God reached down and touched their situation. They prayed together. God began to heal something. 
But you know what? They ended up right back at the same place because when it became inconvenient to stay in the process, they bailed out and they said, we're filing for papers again. James says, stay in the process. Let endurance grow. Let it grow. And this is... This is where we can clearly, uh, can, can clearly see God's intentions towards us. That God uses our pressure points not to disable us or to destroy us, but to make us complete. Listen to what he says. He says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed. Somebody say fully developed. When your endurance. Somebody say endurance. When you put up with it long enough and you stay in the process long enough. And you open your hand to God and you say, okay, God, if this is what you drop me into, I'm going to see it through. I'm going to stay. He says, if your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. You won't ever have to deal with this again. You won't ever have to come back to this again if you'll stay in the process. And that's what God is doing. God's intention. God using our pressure points to complete us, to make us complete. When will you be complete? When your endurance is fully developed. So let me make it plain. When you stop wanting to quit, when you stop looking for a way out, when you submit to the pain of the process, knowing and believing that God has your best outcome in mind, James says that all that is standing between you and a better life and overcoming this and being better is time spent enduring the process. Because God's will doesn't change. It says it later in this chapter that in Him there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And after studying today, I see that Scripture totally differently than I ever did. Is God is going to continually be committed to bringing you through your areas of pressure and pain and weakness. He's not going to change. He's not going to quit on you. He's not going to give up on you because He sees what you can be and He sees how you can overcome. And so in Him there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. But from Him comes, from the Father above comes all good and perfect things. All gifts, right? Are coming down from the Father of lights. And so God's not quitting on the process. So if you'll stay in the process, God will bring you through. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of hanging on and holding on. And I know, I know that sounds like a pat on the back to placate you to get you through another day and another week. But this is what the Bible says. It says that when your endurance is fully developed, there will come a day when you have endured and you have believed and you have continued praying and you have persevered where God will look at you and say, you know what? Their endurance is all the way there. And now it's time to bring them out. Now it's time to deliver them. Now it's time to bring them through that trouble. And because they have graduated the test, I'm moving them forward into the promise and into the plan of God. And so, it's just time. Somebody say, it just takes a little time. Just takes some time. So quitters never win, amen? Quitters never win. Christians who convince themselves that pain and pressure isn't from God and that they should do what feels best will always sell themselves short. Of God's best. Because what we call suffering, God calls shaping. So no wonder James says, count it all joy. He wasn't crazy. He had clarity. He knew that trouble is what takes you forward. He knew that when we feel the pressure of the hand of the Master, 
that we are in the process of becoming something better. God isn't the only one who's interested in our weaknesses. I want to tell you that the Bible says, Satan as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's actively looking for cracks in the Christian's armor. He's looking for weak places in your character. He's looking for our pressure points just like God is. Where there's an opportunity to be bitter, He's going to be there telling you, get bitter, get bitter, hate them, talk about them. Just, just whatever you can say to bring them down, say it. And, and He's going to be there. He knows that if He can hit our pressure points hard enough, that He can overcome us. And so that means that the area you feel pressure in has the potential to build you up or to kill you. Depending on who you give access to these areas of your life. Depending on whose word you obey. So when we expose our pain points to God and submit to His process, He can heal us and make us complete. But when we hide them from God, they remain vulnerabilities to our enemy and limitations to our tomorrow. So um, and my, my last kind of little point that I want to share here is, is that at, uh, a while back I was studying um, the Exodus. I came across an interesting fact, one that I had never realized. Um, it is that um, the Scripture says that Israel was led through the wilderness by the glory cloud, right? So I was looking up glory cloud to see, I was, I was trying to figure out some great theological point on that, which I don't remember at this point, but I jotted down this note that when I looked up the definition of the glory cloud, the Hebrew word for glory means that which is heavy or weighty. When used figuratively, it refers to God's intense, profound presence, His sheer weight, the weight of His glory, right? So Israel was led through the wilderness by the cloud of God's weight over them, right? Have you ever noticed that when you're under something heavy that it creates pressure on you? Ever had somebody twice your size jump on your back? <laughs> Amen. I hope not. <laughs> because you'll feel the pressure. Amen. Ever been sat on by an older sibling? Maybe, maybe that's one that y'all can relate to. I remember one time I got so mad that we didn't go get tacos after church that I threw a fit. And I remember my oldest sister sitting on top of me in the car. I was mad about the tacos, but I was even more mad about the kind of pressure that I was under. <laughs> right? Because her weight was on me. And so, I began to think about this, that, that what Israel was doing was being led by God through the pressure of God's weight over them. Now, hang with me. I'm not, I'm not going crazy here. Because what they were seeing with the naked eye, I believe, was a visible representation of what God was doing with them spiritually. He didn't place them and drop them in the promised land, did He? He brought them to a place where they were constantly battling their own lack of resources so that He could teach them to trust in Him. They were The moment they walked out of Egypt, they were under pressure. What are we going to eat? The moment, how are we going to get free? They're coming behind us. What are we going to do? How are we going to... The cloud was over them. The weight of God's pressure was leading them and guiding them through the wilderness from one problem to another. The Red Sea wouldn't, uh, wasn't open until God opened it, right? They had to trust and stand still and see the salvation of God. Then they went to uh, uh, Meribah where they uh, had bitter waters, right? And they, they couldn't drink and they said, oh dear heaven, we're going to die in the wilderness. God brought us out here to die. And God showed Moses a tree that when he cast it in the waters, the waters were made sweet because the cloud led them there. The weight 
the pressure, the, the pushing of God led them to this problem where they soon discovered that God would come through. That God would uh, enable them to overcome. And so, um, when you feel like you're under pressure and are struggling against your own weaknesses and vulnerabilities, you need to recognize that the glory of God on your life, the glory of God doesn't always look like celebration. Sometimes the glory, the weight of God will lead you to the end of your breaking point where you don't know what else to do but to trust in God. And there, there you learn to trust. There you learn to believe. There you learn to see the miraculous. There you see God do the most incredible stuff that you've ever seen. There He opens up rocks and rivers flow out. There, when His glory is leading you, He's going to bring you to trouble. But the fact that His glory is there is that He's bigger than the problem and He just brought you there to show you that. (laughs) And so the Bible says this, we move from glory to glory. One problem to the other. One pressing to the other. And we see God's glory in it because when we walk out of it, we know, we know that it was Him. And that's why it's called glory. It's because when the glory of God takes us to a place like the Red Sea, we don't walk out saying, look what we did. We walk out saying, look what He did. God gets all the glory, doesn't He? So, uh, I wanna, I wanna end with this little thought that, um, y'all like the drink that I brought up here tonight? Pretty handy. This is this is Ryland's sippy cup, right? Um, sometimes I do need a sippy cup. I'm clumsy, but uh, we were we were in uh, Pigeon Forge on vacation a couple weeks ago. And we were sitting um, in a, a singing magician show. Um, it was a free ticket that came with Comedy Bar, and uh, I say that because I I wouldn't buy the ticket for a singing magician. But we went, and the kids enjoyed it. And we were sitting there watching the show, and everything was going great. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of one of the tricks, like, we felt water spray us from the side. And Jocelyn and I whipped around and we turned, and we're like, what was that? What, what just happened? I was like, did somebody sneeze? I mean, what? Like, just a, a mist of water came over us. We were, is it a part of the show? I mean, is, he, is the magician going to pop up right here? What is happening here? You don't want strange liquid in a magic show to fall on you. And so we're looking around saying, what happened? Well, across the aisle, about from this side of this uh, part of the stage to that side, and about two rows back, there was a lady. And we were looking around like, what happened? And she stood up during the middle of the show and she says, I'm so sorry. I had my child's sippy cup out in the car all day. And when I went to open it, there was so much pressure in it that it shot all the way over there. And I said, whew. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I just got the thought today. I said, okay, you know, I can understand that. In fact, crazy thing, I'd already planned on talking about that little incident, and today, Jocelyn had this very sippy cup in the car, and when she went to unscrew it, she said it had built up so much pressure in the heat that it shot out and hit the roof of our van, and she said if she had been holding it towards her face, she would have had a black eye, and I would have had some explaining to do. It blew up. She said steam was coming up out of it. Now, I know what it's like when you pour something in. It doesn't go in with that much power, does it? It doesn't go in. You, you just pour it in. It's really easy. You don't have to force it in. You just, just pour in the drink, right? 
And that's what that lady did at Pigeon Forge. That day, that morning, she had poured a drink in for a child and she had just left it. And meanwhile, the pressure was building. Right? And so when that sippy cup and that circumstance was exposed to that kind of pressure, when it came out, it came out with more power than when it went in. It went in easy. It's easy to get in trouble. But when you come out... Now listen, Job said this, and this is what I'm ending with. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach long. Job said, Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, and I do not perceive him. Job is in trouble, right? He doesn't know what's going on. On the left hand, when he's working, I don't behold him. And he turns to the right, but I do not see him. He says, But he knows the way that I take, that when he has tried me, I will come out as pure gold. Job said, It was easy to get into this. But you don't understand, when I come out of this, I'm not coming out like I went in. I'm coming out different than when I went in. And when God finally releases the pressure off of my situation, I'm coming out with power. I'm coming out clothed with strength. I'm coming out with trajectory. I'm going somewhere. Honey, I'm not staying right here in my same old sippy cup. Can I get an amen? And so pressure will create power in your life that when you do overcome, you're going to grab somebody else by the hand and say, I know how you can get through this. I'm going to pray with you until the pressure is released. And when it's released, honey, God, the power, the power of God is going to come upon you like it never has before. And so you better look out, devil, because all this pressure is building up some power in my life. That's why people who've overcome cancer can pray in faith and see other people healed of cancer. That's why people who've been through some trials and been through some struggles can take another married couple under their wing and say, you can do this, you can make it, because they came out with a power that they didn't have. And I want to tell you that your problem is going to be the source of your power. That when you, you came into it one way, but you're coming out of it different. And that's why God put you in. You came in weak, but you're going out strong. You came in beat down, but you're coming out an overcomer. Let's stand together. I want to ask our ushers to go ahead and come. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to receive that tonight. Somebody say, I'm coming out different. I'm coming out with power. Amen. I believe if you'll stay in the process, God will bring you to the point of power. And watch what the glory cloud did. It brought them all the way through the wilderness. And they messed up. And they failed. And you know what He did? He made them wait longer in the wilderness. Because you don't get out of the test. You just keep facing it. Until Joshua and Caleb and that generation got it right. And God delivered them into the promise. And when they came in, they didn't lift a finger. Walls fell down. Enemies were fleeing. They were scared because God will deliver you. You came in weak, but you left strong. You came in hurting, but you left healed. Because God got a hold of the pressure point in your life. Let's bow our heads. We're going to pray over this message and over the offering. Lord, we thank You, God, for Your Word. God, it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, give us the endurance to stand up to the process that You're bringing us through, God. Help us to come out different than we went in, God. Help us to come out clothed with power. Complete in You, Lord. Let patience have her perfect work in our lives, God. I pray, Lord, over each and every person facing struggle and facing problem and facing challenges, God, that You would give them a revelation of the process that they're in. And God, help them, help them to have faith to receive all that You want
want to do for Him. And just to stay put, God, not to quit on You, not to bail on You, but to stay right where You put them. In the name of Jesus, God, we pray over our tithe and offering that You would bless it to Your kingdom and to Your gospel. In Jesus' name, ushers, you can receive our tithe and offering.